Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you for being here. Seriously, it means the world to us. Your presence matters. We say that a lot. Our heartbeat is is to invite everyday people to experience the hope of Jesus in every way. And that's what I want for you today. I want you to walk out of here experiencing Jesus. That's why we pray. That's why we sing. That's why we open up God's word because it's all about Jesus and experiencing him. And so uh, please, please, please connect with us if we haven't uh, connected with you just yet. So I'm really excited. I couldn't wait. We're, We're starting a brand new series today and we're calling this series Walls into Windows walls into windows. And and it's going to be all about, we're going to dig into God's word and we're going to look about God's design for relationships. I I think relationships are so, so, so important. They're vital to all of our lives. And we're using this kind of uh, uh, imagery, walls into windows, because all of us probably have some relationship somewhere that it feels like there's a wall in between us. It feels like, man, we're just bumping up against. and, And some of those walls are thin and small but some of them are thick and tall, right? And some of those things that we need in our lives is how do we figure out how to get away from this wall and turn that wall into a window? Instead of having walls divide us, how, God, can I remove this wall and turn it into a window that unites us and connects us? And I'm gonna be honest with you, this this series and this topic is is so, so, so important to me. I would preach on it almost every Sunday if I could, if our team would let me, because I think relationships is one of the major areas where the enemy gets a lot of wins. The enemy wins a lot of victories when it comes to relationships. I mean, think about it. If you're married, marriage relationships, parent-child relationships, uh, sibling relationships, in-laws relationships, co-worker relationships, and friendships in general, uh, I mean, relationships are a part of every single aspect of our life. And so I'm going to be upfront with you right now. This series is probably going to get a little bit uncomfortable for you. All right, we're going we're gonna to look at some scriptures that are convicting and that are challenging. And you're probably going to find yourself going, man, I need to do better in that area. Or man, this is a place that I really need to do a better job. And I, I just want to um, invite you to, to make it personal Make it a priority to to hear what God wants for you in your life, in your relationships. Two of our core values here at City Hope, things that we say these are so, so, so important to us, have to deal with relationships. One thing that that I'm super, super passionate about is healthy God-centered families. We need healthy God-centered families. Our church needs it. Our world needs it. And so this is one area that we focus on a lot. Another area is what we call real relationships. We all have a lot of acquaintances. We all probably have uh, on, on our friends list, we have friends, right? But do I have real relationships, people that know the real me, people that when I get knocked down or when I knock myself down that are there to help pick me up? These are areas that all of us need to grow in. All of us need these types of people, right? So now that you're nervous, let's jump right in, all right? Let's, uh, let's see what God has for us today. In 2002, 
Pastor Rick Warren, a very uh, famous pastor out in California, wrote a book, wrote a devotional book called A Purpose Driven Life. How many of you read, read Purpose Driven Life? Probably a lot of you. Um, according to the author and, and the publisher, over 50 million copies have been sold in more than 85 languages by 2020. So just in 18 years that he wrote the book, 50 million copies. And that's, that's amazing. But the thing that fascinates me more about this book, more than the, the sales, because everyone wants to know the purpose of life, right? Every, everybody, no matter if you're a, a religious person or not, what's my purpose is something that everybody, the thing that captivates me in his book, the very, very first sentence in this entire book, some of you may know it, Rick Warren writes, it's not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. 50 million people opened up that book in the first four words, it's not about you. And I think what Rick was really trying to get, the purpose of life, it doesn't start with you, it starts with the Lord. And the, 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 what he was trying to get across, the topic, I believe, and, and this is what we're gonna talk about today, is humility. Humility, it's not about you, it's about having a humble spirit. Jesus taught a lot about humility when he was walking the earth. And, and humility, think about it for a second. In every relationship that's ever existed in your life, either humility or the lack of humility has affected your relationship one way or the other. So today, if you have your Bible, go to Mark chapter nine. We're gonna, we're gonna look at, at a story that Jesus was telling. And let me give you a little context while you're while you're turning to Mark chapter nine, a little background. Throughout the book of Mark, the author emphasizes actions and deeds. Jesus is on the go. He's moving, he's, he's healing, he's performing miracles, he's teaching, he's doing a lot of stuff. There's these three disciples that as Jesus is moving from place to place, doing these awesome things, Peter, James, and John are walking with Jesus, watching him do these miraculous things. Now, just go with me there for a minute in your mind. Peter, James, and John, they're watching Jesus perform miracles. They're watching him tell people these amazing stories, right? They're on a mountaintop experience. Like, this is, this is unbelievable that you get to be here and watch Jesus do these things. So leading up to chapter nine, Jesus, he casts out a demon. And right when he gets done casting out this demon, he tells the guys, guys, we gotta keep moving. We, we can't just stay here. There's, there's more work to be done, in other words. And so that's where we're gonna pick up in Mark chapter nine, beginning reading in verse 30. I wanna ask you just to stand to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. Mark chapter nine, we'll begin reading in verse 30. The Bible says, then they left the place and made their way through Galilee, but he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples and he was telling them, the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise again three days later. But they did not understand this statement and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the way here? They were silent because on the way, they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Verse 35, sitting down, he called all 12 of them and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. Would you pray with me? Father, bless the reading of your word. Use it to challenge us, to change us, convict us today, God. Make it powerful in our lives that we walk out of here different. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So the disciples who just watched Jesus perform miracles are walking with Jesus, arguing about who is the greatest. And Jesus kind of sets them straight. If you want to be first, then you must be last and you must be servant of all. So in other words, Jesus is saying, listen, guys, you need to put your focus on other people. And what Jesus is essentially explaining to them is the definition of humility, right? Having a humble mindset. One author put the, the definition like this. He says, true humility is seeing ourselves as we truly are, fallen in sin and helpless without God. Humility is critical, and it's continuously emphasized in the Bible. For for godliness, man, humbleness comes right next to it. We are called to be humble followers of Christ, and, and we trust in God's wisdom. We trust in God's salvation. But the Bible also talks a lot about the opposite of humility, right? One famous verse that, that you might not even know is a verse in the Bible, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride comes before destruction, right? An arrogant spirit before fall. I love the message. The message is kind of like a paraphrase of the Bible. Look what the message says. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. So the Bible talks, Jesus tells a lot of people how to be humble and have a humble spirit. But it talks a lot about what if I ain't humble? What if I'm arrogant? What if there's pride in my life? Now, let me say this. If you desire, if any part of you in your life desires to have a healthy, God-centered family, humility has to be soaked within your relationship. If you desire to have real relationships past just acquaintances, past just people that we wave at in the grocery store, real deep relationships, then your relationship must be saturated in humility. Humility is a theme all throughout scripture. So today I want to I want to ask you this question. Is humility a theme in my relationships? I want you to reflect on that question. Is humility a theme in my relationships? Let's go to the other side for a second. How many of you have ever met someone that you would say, man, that's a pretty arrogant person? Anybody ever met somebody like that? Be honest. Come on. Come on. Be honest. We've probably all met pretty self-righteous, very prideful. Man, they can't They're always right. They can't be wrong. Uh, All of us have probably met people. You know people. You're sitting by people that fall in one of these categories, right? But the reality is we're addicted to ourselves more today than any other time in history, right? And you're like, well, how can you say that? Give me some stats to prove it. I brought some stats with me, all right? Listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. Every single day, there are over 90 million selfies taken every single day. If you have teenagers, that might seem a little low, but, but 90 million selfies every, we like ourselves a lot. Last year, 24 billion selfies were uploaded to the internet last year. That's a lot of us, right? That's a lot of, that's a lot of self. There's a whole category, probably some of these students know this, there's a whole category of selfies gone bad, selfies gone wrong, where where people have been arrested because of their selfies, because what they do would do is they'll go in and they'll, they'll rob someone or they'll commit a crime and they'll take a selfie during the crime and then the police show up at their house and they get arrested, right? What an idiot, you're thinking. Or, or there's people that have lost their job, right? Call in sick, but they're on the beach, beach day with the homies, you know, like taking a picture. And the boss is like, I need to see you tomorrow, right? They go, this is this honest to goodness truth. There's a whole category called death by selfie. Death by selfie. 
people have died trying to get the perfect selfie. This is going to absolutely blow your mind. Today, you are more likely, the, the percentage, you are more likely to die death by selfie than death by shark. That's how much we like ourselves. That's how, that's how infatuated we are with self. So, so let's bring all this together. Pastor Rick Warren, 50 million copies. It's not about you. Jesus walking with the disciples saying, listen, if you want to live a humble life, you got to put others first. There's probably a saying that has come from your lips. I know it's come from mine. It's probably a saying that you've either heard or you've probably even spoke about today. And this is going to be kind of the, the topic, the, the title of my message today, and it's this. Maybe you've said this to someone. You need to get over yourself. <laughs> you need to get over yourself. I came across this list this week, and I knew uh, this is what God has for us. So in order for us to get more humility in our relationships, then I need to take some personal inventory. I need to ask God to show me some places. I need to ask God, I need to ask some tough questions. For walls, for walls to turn into windows in my relationships, I'm tired of getting, I'm tired of being stuck and hitting the same wall over and over and over. For walls to turn into windows, I need God to show me the places in my heart that I need to work. So that's what we're gonna spend a few time, a few minutes on today. And the question is this, how do I know if I need to get over myself? How do I know if I need to get over myself? This is about to get really awkward in here, all right? Number one, number one, how do I know if I need to get over myself? You take everything personally. You take everything personally. You're always defensive. I don't do that. That's not me. There's a tendency to put up a case for yourself all the time. Everything that everyone says is an indictment upon you and your character. When, when, when you walk into a room and there's a, there's a pe- group of people that you know huddled up over here talking, your first thought is, they're talking about me. <laughs> I wonder what they're saying about me. You need to get over yourself when, when you take everything personally. You're very easily offended. I, I, I like the term a victim mentality. You know, you think about Jesus and you read through Jesus and, and his story when he walked the earth. Do you realize that Jesus was very unoffendable? He, he, he was not be offended. Why? I mean, Jesus hung out with people that were nothing like him. Jesus hung out with sinners and prostitutes and, 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 and that's who he hung out with. But he also hung out with people who didn't like his teaching. And he stayed and he taught them and they said, man, you're wrong. You shouldn't teach this. And you realize Jesus never got offended. How in the world can you not get offended? The things that you're saying, people are saying, no, you're wrong, and you can't do that. How can Jesus not get offended? Well, he knew who he was. He knew who he was, and he knew he had nothing to prove. He knew who he was. He knew the value that he had, and he knew he had nothing to prove. This is a quality of humility. Being easily offended is rooted in pride. We can't be disrespected. I will not be disrespected. And we just can't get over ourselves. When we are humble, we don't, think th- we don't take things personal. So number one, you take everything personable. Number two, number two, your feelings are the most reasonable. Your feelings are the most reasonable. You expect everyone to recognize that your feelings and your thoughts are the ones that make the most sense. You need to make sure everyone knows that you are right. No one can disagree with you and you are never 
wrong, right? You are, you're, you're constantly overestimating your feelings and your thoughts. And you get angry easy and you're offended by what seems to be people's refusal to, to, to do the right thing, right? In your mind, in your feelings, it's the right thing to do. So you gotta try to step back and you gotta see that what that really does is that alienates people away from you. We'll talk more about that in a second. But what that does is, is people can't hear any longer your ideas because it always has to be your way. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter three, or Proverbs chapter 13, arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. Your feelings are the most reasonable. Number three, how do I know I need to get over myself? Your desires are the most important desires. This is what you want versus what you feel. What you want has to come out. Everyone should want what you want. How can you not want what I want? Think about it in a car setting, right? Your your radio choice is the only one that matters. You know I control the radio, right? You know the best directions to get there. No one can tell you to take a different turn. Or, or, or think about the, 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 the conversation in the car. Where do y'all want to eat? Well, my place of right, why would you not want to eat where I want to eat? Your desires are the most important. And instead of nurturing community and nurturing unity, you, you, you create strife and dissension among your relationships. Listen to what Philippians says in chapter two. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility considers other, consider others more important than yourselves. You need to get over yourself if your desires are the most important. Number four, number four, this is a tough one. The other person needs to apologize or change. The other person needs to apologize or change. Here, here's what pride does. Pride blinds me to my weaknesses, but it magnifies your weaknesses. Think about that for a second. I don't see my weaknesses as that big of a deal, but I see your weaknesses as a really big deal. And you need to apologize. You need to be the one to change. And we, we justify our broken relationships. If I, I would have done this different if you would have fill in the blank. But see, we gotta understand, Jesus warns us of this exact behavior. Look at Matthew chapter seven. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye and don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let him take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, the Bible says. First, take the beam of wood out of your own eye and you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Even apologies sound like this. You know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I really shouldn't have. But if you wouldn't have done that, then I would have never done what I did. The other person needs to apologize or change. How do I know if I need to get over myself? Number five, number five, you tend to be negative and critical instead of positive and grateful. You have a tendency to be negative and critical instead of, instead of positive and grateful. Your negativity has alienated people out of your life. They feel they aren't good enough to be around you. They're not going to live up to your standard because it's, it's always negative. It's always critical. It's not always good enough. So what do they do? They stop trying. They stop wanting. Your way is always the best way, and it's the only way. I had, 
I had a, a, a real humbling example of this not too long ago. One of my joys in life, one of the things that I love doing is coaching basketball. I just, I, I love it. I love the relationships. I love basketball, but I love uh, building relationships with kids. One of my favorite things is I get to coach my girls. And, and um, a few weeks ago, Sissy, who plays on our JV team, she's in eighth grade, and she had a great game. She scored I don't know, 16, 18 points, something. She's like, Dad, can we watch the film of my game? And, and, and just, I want you to see it. And so we sat down and started watching it. And as soon as we turned the film on, I had my coach hat on. I didn't have my dad hat on. And so as we're watching this game, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I was being critical. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, sis, you should have dribbled with your left hand there. Or, or man, you should have made that pass instead of that pass. And, and so I just start coaching her up. And about halfway through the game, she looks at me and she goes, well, did I do anything right? <laughs> and I was like, oh. And she said, I don't want to watch anymore if you're just going to be negative the whole time. And, and, and I just had to pause. And I had to apologize. And, and, and I know my heart. My heart wasn't to defeat her. My heart, wasn't to, my heart was to help her. And I want to coach her. And I want her to be the best she can be. But in that moment, all she heard was negative and critical. And sometimes we got to get over ourselves when we, when we realize that the, the language of arrogance, the language of pride is criticism and negativity. But the language of humility is gratitude and encouragement. Think about your life for a second. The language that comes out of my mouth, is it typically negative and critical? Well, then that shows that I've got pride going on. I've got some arrogance. Is the language that comes out of my mouth, am I grateful? Is it gratitude with, for, my, for my parents, for my friends, for my spouse? Is it, is it encouragement? We tend to be negative and critical instead of positive and grateful. Number six, and this is my favorite one. How do I know I need to get over myself when you keep thinking other people need to hear this? <laughs> Told you it's gonna get awkward. <laughs> How do I know that I need to get over this? Because as I'm walking through this list, all I can think about is, man, I hope they hear this. Man, I hope my husband's listening, my wife's listening. I'm going to send this to somebody as soon as I get home. They're going to hear the online version. I can't wait to send it to this person. It's a good indication that this is for you. You see, the more we have a tendency to see this in other people, the more of a problem we probably have. You know, the Bible lays it out in Obadiah chapter 1, verse 3, your arrogant heart has deceived you. If I say that I don't struggle with pride and arrogance, you need to understand this. It is pride and arrogance that is making me believe that. It is exactly the things that I say that I'm not that is making me believe that I don't struggle with pride and arrogance. And so today, as we've walked through this list, and, and let me just tell you, as I walk through this list, there's people that kept coming to my mind, and then I, I'm like, wait a minute, this is me too. And if all I can think about is someone else, and, and I'm looking at, I'm, I'm just thinking about my spouse, and I'm just thinking about my kids, and I'm just thinking about this relationship or this relationship, then I need to really take some deep looks into my own heart and say, where do I need to go? And this is the short list for today. This is, this is not all of it. Over the next three weeks, if I didn't hit you today, I'll probably hit you in one of the next three weeks. But the question or the, the prayer, the prayer that I want to challenge you with today is, is simple. God, do I need to get over myself? Do I need to get over? God, search my heart for the places that, are, that I'm overinflating, that I'm overestimating what I bring to the table. 
as the disciples were arguing, who's the greatest of all of us in here? Jesus was trying to help them to understand it's not even about you guys. How in the world, everything you have is from the Lord. So how in the world do you think you could even be in this conversation? This is the total wrong question. It's not who's the greatest. And so today as we, as we walk through these lists of things, and here's what I want to do, and I'm going to be really fast because I don't have a lot of time, but the, the question is not who's the greatest. The question is this, and, and here's what I'm going to challenge you with. How do I move from arrogance to humility? What steps can I take, some practical life steps? When I go home this week, when I go home today, how can I move if I have some arrogance, if I have some pride, how do I take that and move to humility? Number one, number one is this, decide that it matters. Decide that this is a really big deal. You choose humility over arrogance. This is a choice. This is a mindset. And without us choosing of our own free will to voluntarily submit to God, he cannot do what he wants to do in us. Let me say that again. Without you making the choice that I wanna be a humble servant of God, then he's not gonna be able to do the things that he wants to do in your heart because he gives you the free will to choose. You may have created some bad habits in your life, but those things can be broken and changed into healthy habits by intentionally choosing humility in every situation. So here's an easy win for this week. Look for an opportunity every day to put someone ahead of yourself. How do I move from arrogance to humility? Look for an opportunity every single day to put someone ahead of yourself. Today, if you realize, you know what? I know in this certain relationship, marriage, kids, in-laws, whatever it is, I know that there's a wall here. I know that there's a wall here. Here's an easy win. Choose this week. Choose every day this week. I'm gonna put your needs ahead of my needs. I'm gonna put what you want ahead of why, and watch, watch how these walls turn into windows. Watch how God begins to work and it has a radical impact on those relationships. Here's the mindset. Your words matter more than my words. This is tough. This is tough for some of us. Your words matter more than my, my words. De- decide that this is a big deal and repenting of my pride and repenting of my selfishness and, and understanding that that has affected my relationships with people. Humility is all about valuing others. So number one, decide that it matters. Number two, develop a giving habit. Develop a habit of giving. I'm not talking about finances, that's, that's part of it, but your time, your talent, your, your, your mind, you know, give yourself. Paul addresses to the, to the elders in the church of Ephesus, he says this, in every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Our giving reflects a Christ-likeness. It offers a way to live out the gospel. We wanna live out the gospel. We wanna live out the good news. Develop a giving habit. It changes our character. It fosters, it it gets selfishness out of my mindset. We all have the natural tendency to lean towards ourself. And when we develop a giving habit, giving fosters contentment. We give and we generously offer our resources. We we, we express satisfaction in God's blessings and acknowledge him as our ultimate provider. Number three, number three, what can I do to move from arrogance to humility is practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. The way I work on my humility 
is through gratitude. Gratitude is a, is a prominent theme all throughout the scriptures. Paul writes a letter to the church at Thessalonica. He says, rejoice always, pray constantly. And then he says this, give thanks in everything for this is God's will. Did, did you hear that? Give thanks in all circumstances, not just the ones I like, not just the ones I want. Thankfulness and gratitude should be a way of life for God's people, naturally flowing from our hearts and our mouths. How do I turn arrogance and pride into humility? Through practicing gratitude. As I think about the story and the disciples as they as they walked with Jesus himself, and they watched him do these miracles, and they watched him teach, and they listened to his words. And not only did they get to see the miracles, but he's telling them, this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And their first thought was, who of us is the best? Like, is it me? Is it you? Is it Who is the best of us? After, I mean, how sad is that? That was their mindset after everything that they got to experience. After everything that Jesus literally told them. And, and, and if you really, really break it down, you think about it. Jesus didn't only teach them about have a humble spirit. He showed them in the most incredible way by being sent to a cross in exchange for their sin so that they can sit over here and have a conversation about who's the best. Jesus says, I'm gonna die for you and I'm gonna show you how to live your life. I'm gonna show you what a humble servant looks like. And while you and I build our walls and go our own way. Jesus built a window and he made a way. He tells us in God's word, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So if you today find yourself looking at some of your relationships and all you see is a big, thick, tall wall, Jesus says, I am the way. And I had a gentleman come up to me after the first service and he gave me this picture and I said, I'm using it. I'm stealing that. I got I to share that second service. He said, you know what, Bobby? The thing that the picture that God gave me is, you know, you got this big old wall and God's light can't shine through a wall, but God's light can shine through a window. I thought, man, that's good. And for some of you right now in your relationships, the enemy's the enemy's winning. And right now, all you see is a wall. And Jesus is saying, I'll, I'll be the window. I'll be the window. Some of you, right now, your marriages are so just tangled up and jumbled up and struggling. And all you see, and you just, you keep hitting the wall. And you feel like you're banging your head against the wall. And Jesus is saying, I'll be the window. I'll be the way. We can turn walls into windows when we let the light of humility shine through our hearts and our lives. God's word tells us, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do you need to get over yourself? Is God speaking to your heart today about some arrogance, about some pride? I pray that today, 
humility would win. Here's what I believe though. In all of our lives, we have many different earthly relationships, but the relationship that matters the most is your relationship with Christ. And if we could all just have a moment of just, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be real today. Some of you today, you know that there's a wall between you and the Lord. Your relationship with the Lord isn't where it should be. It isn't where it once was. Maybe it's not even existent. All you see is a wall. That's the first step. You want all these earthly relationships to be repaired, to to be healthy, to have healthy God-centered family, to have real God-centered relationships with people in my life? It starts with my relationship with the Lord. And if you're here this morning and there's a wall between you and the Lord, can I just tell you, let me just say it like this. We've been honest. We've been awkward today. God didn't put it there. God didn't put that wall there. That's on me and you. We put the walls up. So I want to encourage you today, if you don't have a relationship with Christ or it's not where it should be, take a moment today. Take a moment and just get alone with the Lord. Brad's going to play. I'm going to pray here in just a second. It's just an opportunity for you to respond to what God's speaking to you about. Maybe you know that there's some, some earthly relationships, there's some personal relationships right now. Maybe you're a, you're, you're a child or you're a student in here and you know your relationship with your parents isn't where it should be and you just feel like walls and God's telling you it's time for you to be humbled. Stop thinking it's your parents' fault all the time. It's you, you need to take some responsibility for your mindset. I know without any doubt there's husbands and wives in this room because we all go through it. Every single one of us go through it. Where there's more walls than there are windows. Maybe today that's what God's speaking to your heart about and he's saying it's time. It's time to humble yourself. It's time to take that step and turn. Turn to me. Whatever it is, would you just deal with it today? I, I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And here in a moment, we're going to dismiss. Kate's going to give us some announcements. But if you need to talk to someone, please, I'm begging you, don't leave this place the same. Respond to how God's speaking to your heart. Respond. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's step number one. You're the only one that knows when you lay your head down on that pillow night, is it a wall or is it a window? Is God shining through in my life or not? Take that step today. Some of you right now, all you see in your marriage relationship is walls. And when you begin to take that step today, say, God, show me where I need to be humble. Show me where I have pride that I need to lay down. God, shine through in my marriage. My in-laws, my siblings, my coworkers, my friends, my small group, God, show me. Would you be obedient this morning? Father, I just ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, turn walls into windows, Lord. This is a place that the enemy attacks us so heavily, it's so hard. And God, I just pray that we would follow your example. That we would put others' needs before our own. God, show us the places in our hearts that are full of pride and full of arrogance. Let us be the first one to apologize. Let us be the one to take the step that needs to be taken. God, I pray that your light would shine through windows in our relationship, that it would not be blocked by walls. And Lord, even the toughest circumstances in the room, 
even the deepest hurts that we have, Lord, let us be humble. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love that we can build our life upon. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.